G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Sin, grace, and contentment from Dr. Michael Youssef. You can pursue all kinds of answers. You can accumulate truckloads of things. You can try to pursue one failed relationship after the other. You can do all you want. But until you come to grips with those two components of sin and grace, you will not experience inner contentment. Discontentment can empty joy and excitement from life. Today on Leading the Way, you'll also see how discontentment can drag you away from God or embolden you to seek Him and experience a fuller life in the Spirit. Thanks for joining friends around the world for Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. LTW.org is the website. And remember, you can always speak with one of our ministry representatives at 1-300-133-589 to learn more and connect further with encouragement to embrace discontentment and leverage it to grow closer to God. Here's pastor, author, and teacher on Leading the Way, Dr. Michael Youssef. I believe every one of us, without exception, at some point in our lives, somehow, somewhere, we have been conscious of the, what I call the dull hum in the back of our minds, of dissatisfaction of discontentment in our life. Somehow in the back of our mind there's a deep-seated discontentment that most of us feel at some point or another in our lives. We just sense it. That dull hum of discontentment, that dull hum in the background of dissatisfaction with life is not limited to those who are suffering or going through a great deal of pain. It's not limited to those who are experiencing life's hurts. It's not limited to those who are experiencing life's tragedy. It's not just limited to to those folks. I think many believers are discontented. Whether they are discontented and their discontentment stems from disappointment with God, disappointment with church, disappointment with other believers, disappointment with family members, whatever the disappointment stems from, but there is that discontentment, there's that nagging feeling that says, There's more to life. I know there's more to life than this. Something is still missing in my life, and I'm not fulfilled in what I'm doing, and I'm still missing out on something. This can't be all there is. Surely that dull hum that I call keeps on humming, keeps on humming. We try to quieten it by making some changes in our lives, but end up being surfacey changes anyway. We try to quieten it by acquiring some things. And then we try to quieten it by going from one unhealthy relationship to the next. 
but nothing seems to be working. Have you ever asked yourself, what really lies behind this drive for contentment? What really is the main cause? Well, why are we all looking for that contentment? Have you ever thought, I've asked that question and, and tried to come up with some answers? Well, I have. <laughs> I've asked myself that question on numerous occasions, and, and then when I found the answer, I decided to put it in a book, Divine Discontent. A friend of mine said, what, in the world? What, 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 what kind of a title is that? Well, let me explain it to you. Why the book is called Divine Discontent. You see, there are two components to discontentment. The first component is the fact of sin, sin with which we are born. The second component is the grace of God and the mercy of God and the hope that Christ gives us. Hence the word divine discontent. Those who focus mainly on one component, and that is the component of sin, they live a morbid life. They live a discouraged life. They live a guilt-stricken life. Those who focus only on the mercy of God and the grace of God and ignore sin live a shallow life. They live a mercurial life. They are up one day and down the next, and up one day and down the next. Because in reality, until you come to grips with the two components of discontentment in life, until you come to grips of understanding that those two go together, you will not find contentment. I am absolutely convinced of one thing, and that is this. Failure to understand these two components that make up this contentment in our lives is the reason why five out of six Americans say that they are discontented and dissatisfied in life. I'm convinced of that. Listen, you can pursue all kinds of answers. I mean, you can go to the end of the earth. You can accumulate truckloads of things. You can play hard. You can try to drown yourself in a pool of Jack Daniels. You can try to pursue one failed relationship after the other. You can go from church to church to church to church. You can do all you want. But until you come to grips with those two components of sin and grace, you will not experience inner contentment. And today I want to contrast two individuals, two biblical examples that the Bible gives us. And I want to contrast them because if you read the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, probably there are no two greater contrasts. And of course, the Bible was not written so that they can give us those people as a contrast, but as the Word of God being authored by God from beginning to end, it just makes it very clear as you read the Word of God. Two men stand in contrast to each other. They are thousands and thousands of years apart, but they stand in contrast with each other. One of them kept on pursuing human solution to his discontentment. One of them kept on applying earthly answers to his spiritual problem, and he failed. And he lived in discontentment, a miserable life until he died. The other one allowed his discontentment to be an opportunity to drive him to God, 
and receive the grace of God. One is Cain, and the second one is the prodigal son. I want you to focus with me just for a little bit between those two guys. Cain's restlessness began with jealousy. I want to tell you something. If jealousy is eating you up, it's going to destroy your life eventually unless you deal with it. Jealousy is like this strong nail in your shoe. That is going to keep absolutely nagging you until you remove it. Until you deal with that issue, it can destroy your life, as we see in the case of Cain. Because Cain's jealousy of his brother Abel, the obedient one, he, in a fit of anger, killed him. How? Let me contrast the two for you. Two brothers, same mommy, same daddy. Isn't that always amazing? Kids are all different. Same genes, but they're so different. Abel learned from mommy Eve and daddy Adam of their failures. He learned from their mistakes. He learned from their sin. Abel learned from mommy and daddy that the root of discontentment is disobedience. Abel learned from his parents that failure to please God, God's way, causes disaster. Abel responded to his parents' teaching. He learned from their teaching. He listens to their instructions. And he listened to the importance of obedience to God. Abel understood that living in defiance to God's directions, in defiance to God's instruction, is not worth it. Abel sought to live his life God's way, not his own. And so he offered to God the sacrifice that is pleasing to God. He offered to God a lamb. He shed the blood of an innocent lamb because that's exactly what God taught his mommy and daddy. When God took them out of the Garden of Eden, he shed the blood of an innocent lamb, which is, of course, a foreshadowing of the perfect Son of God, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross of Calvary. And by the shedding of that innocent blood and putting the, the covers, the skin of the lamb to cover them, they learned the lesson of atonement. And Abel learned that lesson. He learned it well. And so he sacrificed to God an animal. And innocent blood was shed to sacrifice for his sin. And that sacrifice was accepted by God. Cain, on the other hand, decided that he is going to give God what he thinks God should have, not what God wanted, not what God asked for. So he offers grains. Now, I want you to listen carefully to this one, because there is a possibility. I have no evidence of that, but there's a possibility that Cain's sacrifice was just as costly as Abel's. There is a distinct possibility that Cain's sacrifice was just as sacrificial as Abel's. But that's not the problem. That's not the issue. Not the value of the sacrifice. The problem was the problem of the heart. Not the value of the sacrifice. The problem was that Cain did it his way, not God's way. The problem was that he did it with the wrong motive. And for the wrong reason. And therefore, 
his sacrifice was rejected by God. And so, in a fit of anger and jealousy, he killed his brother, his obedient brother. He killed his obedient brother. And then he lived in restlessness for the rest of his life. Listen to what the Bible said. The Bible said Cain went out and built a city and became a restless wanderer. You know, I am convinced in my own heart, knowing the revelation of the character of God and the Word of God, that even at this point in his life, after killing his brother, had Cain asked for forgiveness, God's grace would have given it to him. I'm convinced of that. Listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you, my beloved friends. Because, like Cain, there are so many people running away from God looking for answer to their discontentment. Like Cain, there are so many people take refuge in all kinds of cities that are built on their own image in an attempt to quieten that restlessness in their heart, the discontentment in their heart. Like Cain, many people are running away from their past instead of confronting their past. There are Many people like Cain who are looking for something or someone to fill their inner void that only God can fill. There are so many people like Cain who are running away from God instead of letting their discontentment drive them to God. He's the only one who has the answer. Because by running away from God never alleviates the problem. Running away from God never quells the guilt. Running away from God never quietens the conscience. Running away from God never cures the restlessness and the discontentment. Running away from God never heals your memory. Only running to God will find healing, restoration, joy, and peace. But you know what the sad part is? Cain never went to the one, the only one, who could have given him rest and refreshment. Now, if you're here today and you're like Cain, if you are where Cain was, let me plead with you. Come to the only one, the only one who can give you rest and rest your heart and give you true contentment. But then Jesus gives us an example of a man in Luke chapter 15, if you want to follow it, the second example. It's in Luke 15. I think most of you are familiar with it. A young man. We don't know much about him, really. We don't know his age. We don't know his name. We really know very little about him. But we know it's a true story because Jesus told it. It's not a parable. It's a true story. It's a true story. And we know him as the prodigal son. But you see, he too was restless in his daddy's home. (laughs) He, too, was discontented with his family's life. He, too, wanted to go to the far city where he could find himself. You know, when people come to me and say, I'm just going to go and try to find myself. I said, don't waste your time and energy and money. I can tell you where you find yourself. He, too, was looking for answers away from God. He's looking for solutions away from the Word of God. He too thought that his contentment was to be found in doing his own thing. 
But he soon discovered, as soon as he ran out of money, his fair-weather friends dumped him. As soon as he ran out of money, his fair-weather friends, whom he thought to give him contentment, they ditched him. The people whom he thought could fulfill him disappointed him. Are you surprised by that? No. That's how it is. The very people whom you thought that they can meet your needs, they'll turn your back on you in the times of trouble. Until this man found himself eating from the trough of pigs. And that is the worst condition that a Jew can find himself. Not just eating pigs, but eating the food of the pigs. That's worse. Now, beloved, I want to tell you, there is a world of difference between Cain and the prodigal son. Let me tell you about that difference. It's very important that you get it and that you learn it. Unlike Cain, the prodigal son came to his senses. Unlike Cain, the prodigal son did not allow his pride to get the most of him. Unlike Cain, the prodigal son began to deal with his spiritual problem of dissatisfaction and discontentment spiritually. Let me tell you something that may be new to some of you. And not be new to a lot of you, but it may be new to some of you. Listen carefully. It takes more courage to come to God in repentance than persist in foolishness. It takes more courage to admit and confess than pretend that everything is fine. It takes more courage to acknowledge sin than trying to explain it away. Only courageous people can say to God, God, I've sinned. God, I was wrong in foolishly thinking that I can make it in life without you. You know, it's impossible for me to read the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 without a lump in my throat. And you know what? It has nothing to do about the boy finally faced up to his, the errors of his way and the fact that he repented of his sins I don't get a lump in my throat because finally the boy came to his senses and returned to his father. I don't get a lump in my throat as much about even the story of the boy. As much as I get a lump in my throat when I think of the father. In fact, the whole story that Jesus tells is not the emphasis. It's not on the prodigal. It's not on his legalistic older brother. No. The whole story, the focus of the story, is on the Father. It's on the Father. And that's where I get totally undone every time I read the story. When the boy came back, after squandering his inheritance, and in the Middle Eastern culture, if you ask your daddy to give you your inheritance while your daddy was alive, it is nothing short of wishing that your dad was dead. That's what you're saying. That's what the boy was saying when he asked for his inheritance. He said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now. I'm not going to wait. 
after he squandered his inheritance, after he disgraced and shamed the family name, after he messed up royally, the father never condemns him. The father never prods him. The father never retaliates. The father never asked him to jump through hoops in order to get back to the home. The father never sent him to a halfway house in order to get him cleaned up before he can come to his presence. The father never asked him to pay back for the misery that he caused the family or the money that he wasted. None of that. And my beloved friends, I want to tell you, this is the amazing grace of God. Did you know that all religions, all religions, have certain hoops that you have to go through, you have to jump through, in order to be part of that religion. I mean, the Buddhists have their hoops, their eightfold paths, and the, and the Hindus have their karma, and, and the Judaism has its rituals, and Islam has its five pillars, and all religions, and even Catholicism, you have to do certain things to, to be accepted by the church. But you know, none of them can truly guarantee the relationship, intimacy with God, and forgiveness of God, and the assurance of heaven. You go through all these hoops. And you never have the assurance of receiving forgiveness from the hand of God and that your sins are not only forgiven and you're assured of eternal life. None of them. When you come to Jesus Christ, there's only three words you need to say. Father, forgive me. And do you know that when that boy came back and he prepared his speech and he was come, and, I, and if I'll say this and I'll say this, you know, like when you practice and, and he was probably was practicing his speech and, and as soon as he says, Father, forgive me, and the Father said, that's enough. <laughs> My friend, if you get tired of wondering, you get tired of searching, you get tired of restlessness, when you get tired of discontentment, you can come to God the Father through Jesus the Son repent of your sins. And God the Father, through Jesus the Son, welcomes you and forgives you. Challenging words today from Dr. Michael Yusuf on today's Leading the Way. If the words from Dr. Yusuf sparked questions and you'd like to speak further with a friendly member of the pastoral team at Leading the Way, please begin your conversation at ltw.org Jesus. You know, over the past few years, we've really lost community. Being deliberate about social distancing and gathering in groups has invited loneliness and isolation into homes and culture. But imagine adding persecution for faith into the mix. Recently, the Leading the Way team received a note from some special brothers and sisters in Turkey. Please listen to a portion of their story. A man and his wife became Christians several years ago. They moved out of war-torn Yemen and are now living in Turkey. They have no family or Christian community where they live, but find encouragement by listening and watching Dr. Yusuf through radio and satellite. The Leading the Way field team is there also to connect, helping them grow spiritually as a family. We hear from many people who can't safely attend church or cannot meet with believers because of COVID, but experience a sense of community by listening to and watching messages by Dr. Yusuf. When you pray for Dr. Yusuf and Leading the Way, you make it possible for families worldwide to learn more and grow in faith. Visit ltw.org to learn more. ltw.org You can always write Dr. Yusuf a letter too. Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales 2751. 
Leading the way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. There are some people who have physical weaknesses that causes loss of joy and loss of contentment. There are other people who have moral weaknesses and they are constantly losing their joy because of that moral weakness. Whatever the area of your weaknesses may be, if you have not learned to apply the grace of God on the area of your weaknesses, chances are you've lost your content. You're already in a major detour and you've lost your way. That was just a preview of what Dr. Yusuf will be teaching next time on Leading the Way. Make a plan to join him for this powerful message when he digs deeper into this thought. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect through television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all of the social media networks. Learn more at ltw.org. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 